Listening Dog Media. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next? Last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it, all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to The Offside Rule. I'm Kate Borsley and alongside me as usual, it's the tireless Lindsay Hooper. Hi, Linz. Hello, Kate. Here, there and everywhere, preparing yourself for the Christmas rush. Talking of which, uh, Hayley McQueen's doing Christmassy things today. So instead, <laughs> a rather lovely substitute, Ali Bender, joins us, sports broadcaster. Hi, Ali. Hey, I feel like the Donny van der Beek, always on the bench, but every now and again, I get a bit of a run. <laughs> <laughs> and it's always a turn of magic, whatever you do arrive. Yeah. What have you been up to, Ali? How are you? Oh, I'm good. You know, I had a really nice interview the other day with um, Ji Sung Park, which was a real blast from the past because I was doing such a lot of um, Premier League reporting when he was playing for Manchester United. And he's just so lovely and, and one of those real sort of unsung heroes. And it was really nice talking to him about um, his relationship with Sir Alex Ferguson. And I mean, Sir Alex has talked about it before, but he says that he still feels guilty that he left him out of the Champions League final. And, uh, yeah. you know, coming from Sir Alex, that's amazing. But, he, mm-hmm. you know, we had quite a laugh. He was, re- he was really, really lovely to talk to, but such a humble guy. And he really, you know, started the wave of players that we've seen now come into the Premier League. Um, and I wonder if people like reach out to him as well, you know, one of the very first high profile Asian footballers that we had. Um, and, and now there's just TV crews, as you know, Ali, just yeah. following footballers everywhere. Look at what's happened with Son. And um, now we've got Huang as well at Wolves. And I've seen that firsthand, the interest there. Yeah, exactly. And he spoke about that bit as well. I think he's quite proud of being one of the first, but he's actually sad that there are more. And, you know, he said, you know, there's quite a few Asian players and, and South Koreans in the Bundesliga, but he'd love to see more in the Premier League. And he's, he's kind of trying to sort of um, help a little bit. He also actually does a bit of management. I didn't know this, but he he, he lives in Wimbledon. He lives here in England, but he flies oh, out to wow. Korea. Yeah, I didn't know he was still here, to be honest with you. Because again, we don't, you know, we don't see him doing punditry. He says he has a really nice, quiet life. He's a father of two kids. He says it's completely different from his football life. And you can imagine he probably, you know, he still probably goes to the supermarket and that kind of thing. Um, but he says he's still <laughs> a bit in of Wimbledon a... now is going to be eyes on, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But he, he says, you know, he's still, when he goes back to Seoul, um, he does a little bit of 
um, help for a, a football club out there as well. So he's still keeping his hand in football. It was just really refreshing, to be honest, to speak to someone who's like, you know, was so good in his day, but has actually got a very normal life and seems to be very happy with his life as well. Yeah, it was fun. Linz, this is always such a hectic time of year for you. Where have you been in the last few days? I was at Arsenal West Ham um, reporting pitch side for that one. And it was a game that had a bit of everything. You know those ones. And and certainly, Ali, in recent times, you'll have had this where you just, you rip up your notes. You don't need them. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need anything. Because you'd had all the story about the captaincy and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang being stripped of that earlier in the week and this leadership group that's emerged. So that was one of the stories. Another narrative was that it was the 600th Premier League game in charge for David Moyes. Um, only Sir Alex Ferguson, Arsene Wenger, Harry Redknapp having uh, actually managed that many or more games. Um, so you can see just the, the level that he's keeping. But it was just as well, you know, I think the story to do with Obama Yang has really, really shifted since he had disciplinary issues last time. Um, if you yeah. remember, it was just ahead of the North London derby. I was at that game, Linz. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. I remember, and it was a big call as well from Arteta at the time because you always think when you drop a player, you have to win because otherwise the pressure is really on you. Um, great goal, by the way, from Emil Smith Rowe, wasn't it? Um, and yeah, loads yeah. of late drama. And I think that's part of the point, Ali, which is, you know, prior to that North London derby, fans were up in arms because they needed Aubameyang. I don't think they need him as much anymore. And that's why I wonder if it spells the beginning of the end for him now at Arsenal. I don't know. There's a lot of competition for places. But, you know, for that to happen uh, this week, uh, I, I just I just don't know whether it's going to have the same impact in terms of, of what Aubameyang would have liked from prior. You know, he always was needed, wasn't he? And I don't think that's going to be the case now. Lacazette really stepped up. I mean, he was obviously great as a captain, but also mm -hmm. brilliant performance from him as well. Um, Linz, it was quite funny because I, I felt really old watching that game because there was the debut for Harrison Ashby. And although he's 20, he looked about 10 years old when he came <laughs> on. I couldn't believe how young he looked. I was like... This is a sign I'm getting old when these players look like they could be my kids, right? <laughs> I have that thought all the time, Ali. I'm now old enough yeah. for these people to be my kids. Yeah. But if you think that makes us feel old, um, no offence to all the floor managers that I was working next to, but, you know, they're scrambling around going, who's number 50? Because <laughs> they really, they're that generation above still, Ali. So look, imagine yeah. how it makes them feel. Right. So true. So true. I was actually spe speaking to Jeff Shreves and he said to me that he'd retire the moment when he interviewed Pitchside, a player who he'd interviewed his granddad. That makes sense. And he was like, that's when I realise <laughs> that's when I realise I've had enough in this game. <laughs> yes, oh. yes. It's also Jeff saying that he's never going to retire, surely. The only thing I would say about Obama Yang, and we're going to talk about him later on in the pod as well, is that COVID, you know, could change things again, couldn't it? So many teams are affected at the moment and you just feel mm. like everyone's on tenterhooks a bit. You guys must have seen increased measures. And, and, and in terms of teams, I, I don't think you can rule anything out at, at the moment. It, it also might you know, dare I say it, add an extra, whether it's spice, whether it's the fact that teams are going to have to battle without key players potentially and, and already are because of COVID. It's going to add another dimension, isn't it, Linz? It is. And I've just seen just before we come on to do this, that Brentford manager Thomas Frank has asked for the next round of matches to be postponed. I think during his press conference, he got a message through saying that there are 13 cases at oh, Brentford. Yeah. It's just rising and rising and rising. And th there is going to have to be some measure taken, whether it goes back behind closed doors and we don't have huge gatherings again. I, I don't know, but it feels like there's something on the horizon. 
Yeah, it, it, the numbers are, are insane, aren't they? I mean, I, I, I was reading just, just before we came in here, it's only reports at the moment, but they're saying that at Manchester United, there could be potentially up to 19 people with COVID. Um, yeah. And the, I mean, the latest round of figures we've seen are 46, sorry, 42 cases, which surpasses last season. And, and do you remember that was, it was actually Mikel Arteta that started it all off, wasn't it? Um, he was yes. one of the first he cases. And, and, yeah. yeah, and Callum Hudson-Odoi. And in the end, that was a three month break. But you know, we're in this kind of strange time where we've got obviously the World Cup coming up as well, 21st of November next year. And I just don't think there is the time to be having pauses and the Premier League are going to be like really, really worried about this. The only thing I think they can do is to extend the season slightly. And that and that gives you a tiny bit of a window. But uh, like you say, from a scheduling point of view, they're really going to have to earn their Christmas bonuses, I think. Yeah. All right, well, let's continue with the show. Luckily, all of us COVID-free at the moment here, we haven't been affected by football or our Arteta patient zero style people. Um, <laughs> you can subscribe on your favourite podcasting app if you enjoy the Offside Rule. We'd love you to do that. Do leave us uh, a review as well if you can on any of those platforms. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Offside Rule Pod and do check out the website, offsiderulepodcast.com. up on the show well, with Christmas just around the corner I can't believe it's so soon actually next week we continue to bring the festive cheer on this show as we discuss which presents we'd love to buy footballers or just what presents are out there uh, available for football fans and after the Champions League draw ended in tears oh my goodness me a lot of controversy uh, surrounding that we want to talk about other examples of footballing draws going disastrously wrong but first, as hinted, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang firmly, well, is on the naughty step, isn't he, after having his captaincy removed. So we want to discuss Premier League captains today, current ones. Uh, which ones are shining examples of how to act and do any need to up their game? Ali, I'll start with you. Do you know, this is good timing, actually, because I was really, really lucky that last week I went to, I was invited to host Chelsea's annual lunch which was one of the best things I've ever done in my career. Like, I absolutely loved it. I was on stage with Thomas Tuchel and the captain as Piliqueta um, and, you know, hosting the event and asking them questions as well. And I basically had free reign. There was no press officer. I could ask them yeah, anything awesome. I wanted. It was so fun. Um, but it sort of struck me. And, you know, I am a Chelsea fan. I probably should have known this before. Obviously, he's been a, a, a captain for 10 years at Chelsea. But it just struck me at that moment just how phenomenal he is as a captain because, you know, when you've got, you know, Bama Yang and even Granit Xhaka before him at Arsenal, you see teams that really kind of lack that leadership. And, you know, Thomas Tuchel said that when he arrived at Chelsea, one of the first people he met was as Piliqueta. And he said he, he came through the door and he just lit up the room with his beaming smile. And he said, at that moment, I just knew if that is my captain, I'm going to be OK. And I just thought that was such a lovely thing yeah, for a manager to say. Mm. Yeah. And, and, you know... If you just remember, there's, there's been certain times, I think it was against Crystal Palace, it was Tammy Abraham who really wanted to take the, the penalty. And as Piliqueta came marching over and snatched the ball off him and was like, no, we have a designated penalty taker, it's Jorginho, and he's going to take it. And that kind of strong leadership, and then it just kind of like, you know, he just kind of gets on with it. And there's not a big hoo-ha about it. It's just, this is what I do. 
And the fact that the reason I love him so much is that he's not even been playing that much and he doesn't sulk. He leads by example from the side of the pitch. You see him screaming and yelling and ordering and giving instruction. So I know it's a, you know, I know it's a bit of a gush one for, for uh, Piliqueta. He is my captain. I absolutely love him. And what a bargain from Marseille for just 7 million. He's won two Premier League titles, FA Cup, League Cup, Champions League, two Europa Leagues. And he's never played fewer than 43 games in any of his nine completed seasons. I mean, that's pretty impressive. He's versatile too. He can step in right back, right wing back, left back, centre back. He is the ultimate team player. All this has been inspired, of course, by Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and uh, some discussion about why he had the armband stripped of him. We know it's a disciplinary breach. um, And although Arteta hasn't publicly revealed what happened, the Athletic reported that he returned late from a trip abroad after misunderstanding COVID protocols. And it did remind me, actually, earlier on this season when things were going a little better for Obama Yang, he was telling the website, the Arsenal website, proudly, famous last words, that his secret to getting results as a captain was to tell the truth. He said, I try to be an example to the other players mm. and just how badly that goes wrong. And then I was I was also remembering that he took over, didn't he, from Granite Xhaka, who had mm. his own string of incidents, whether it was having a go at fans after an FA Cup game or even gesturing to them in the crowd which is what saw him off wasn't it in uh 2019 but um i was reflecting a little bit earlier about how arsenal have had kind of a patchy run of it when it comes to captains uh lindsay i was never convinced when it came to Yang, and that's because dealing with arsenal quite regularly they went through that awful period when he was captain and they were losing games and very rarely would he do an interview. And I think well, that's interesting. that is a, a big marker of someone who's willing to step up and lead by example in those situations because you've got all sorts of leadership, haven't you, on the pitch, but in the dressing room and who's going to come and talk to the press. I think they're all different areas. And, um, you know, I can't I can't look any further than my own captain at Wolves and Connor Cody because he does all of those things. And in terms of turning up and doing the interview after a defeat wow you know he does every single interview I think pretty much at the club come rain or shine Connor Cody will be there and he will also give you an honest interview and and speak quite frankly that's what you want you want to have that yeah. but you know the other thing that always springs to mind is when we very first went into lockdown which was one of the captains that everyone spoke about how much you could hear him on the pitch it was Connor Cody at Wolves because he was shepherding, he was marshalling that defence, he was giving orders, he was the loudest person on the pitch. Um, and I think everyone suddenly sat up and thought, oh, wow, that you know, we all knew that he was a good Wolves captain, but he is a really another level. And unlike Azpilicueta as well, I know, I know what you're saying, Ali, and it's a different level of club because you're going to have more rotation at Chelsea. But when you gave the example of, you know, no fewer than 43 games per season... It, yeah. it, this is uh, this is a player that doesn't miss hardly a minute of football. He plays pretty much every minute for Wolverhampton Wanderers. And he is the first player since Steve Ball in 1990 that started for England. And I think that screams volumes about how much he's been valued. I would love him to stay for a very long time because when you've got leaders like that, when they're missing, that's when you notice notice what they brought. So um, I've got to go Connor Cody with an honourable mention though, Kate, to James Ward-Prowse at Southampton. I think he's mm. been a great captain for yeah. them and and often steps up and, and actually gets them back in games with his uh, dead ball ability. And then yes. Ben Mee as well um, from Burnley, who this is a team that pretty much every season I try and write off because I look at them on paper and I think, you know, apart from Sean Dyche being there and maybe having a captain like Ben Mee, 
you you look and you think, well, the quality player for player in, in comparison with other teams just isn't there. But they managed to stay. They managed to stay up. And I'm not, not going to like write them off ever again, I don't think, because they will just prove us wrong. And Ben Mee is a big part of that. Before we look at captains that may not be doing the business, perhaps some that leave us feeling a little bit flat, um, I have to give an honourable mention for Jordan Henderson too. Because We've all gone with our I own thought, captain. Yeah, I thought but, we were going to do that. Well, and, and fair play, it seems he's a like great I one. should. Yes, yes I think... <laughs> Uh, I think our avid listeners would be questioning my loyalty as a Liverpool fan if I didn't. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, look, we all know about Jordan's attributes. Uh, he is a leader. He um, he basically leads by example. And and I think if you look at the fact that he came from that really difficult start, didn't he, at Liverpool, which almost saw him sold to Fulham under Brendan Rodgers, the fact he's become such a key cog of that side. He's, he's such an upstanding person as well, I think. He gets so much game time and that, and that also makes him a good captain, as we've mentioned with other players as well. He's played at least 40 games in three of the four last completed Premier League seasons. Um, and he uses his voice as well, incredibly powerfully. He said um, some um, um, absolutely important things that I think I think allyship's important to him so when you think about the anti-racism movement he's been very outspoken about that he was also one of those captains and and might have been the main one actually behind um, the NHS together donations from the Premier League remember that came at a time when Premier League footballers by none other than our health secretary Matt, Matt Hancock were being criticized uh, for not doing something for not stepping up for either not taking a cut in their wages or donating and they they, they, they had they raised a huge amount of money via that um, from football to the NHS and Jordan Henderson was one of the faces behind that and rainbow laces as well this week Jordan Henderson's always been very outspoken about LGBTQ plus issues and equality and and um, this week he has, um, as I would expect him to actually, just been a big advocate of uh, the Rainbow Laces campaign. And he's always quick to speak up as well. We had that incident recently of a football player in Australia coming out as gay, Josh Cavallo. And, you know, again, Jordan Henderson, absolutely happy to jump on the back of that and saying, you know, sending him a message, but also making that publicly available as well on a platform like Twitter, I think it was. Just, you know, basically saying well done and we're absolutely with you so yeah to me he is and he will always be one of the Liverpool great captains I think he will safely go down in history as that let's talk about the captains that haven't impressed as much then Lindsay (laughs) well uh who do I go for first I am going to start by saying that Harry Maguire I'm not saying he isn't a good captain is he a Manchester United in the in the history of that club, yeah, one of their stellar gig. captains. I don't think so. It's the size of that club. And you look at captains that have gone before as well, like Brian Robson, etc., Roy Keane. And I don't think he's in in that ballpark. I'm I'm gonna ask you both, who's who's Watford captain at the moment? Because we had Troy Deeney for years and years and years. And then you look at teams struggling towards the bottom. Could you even tell me who Watford captain is at, <laughs> at the minute? Good point, actually. Gosh, no. I don't know who it is. Who is it, Linz? I think at the moment, I say, and I say this because it could be interchangeable, but Musa Sissoko, I know, has been captain for a few games. Yes. I don't know whether it's official, but I, I honestly think that when you've gone from having a leader like Troy Deeney in the yeah. dressing room, you need to replace that. You need someone. And I, I think they're struggling at the moment. And it's no slight on Sissoko as such. It's just the fact that we all don't really know and that it's not being confirmed as such. And uh, I don't know that Watford also struggling, I suppose, um, plays into that. And and a final one from me to mention, 
is Jamal Lascelles, and and I feel quite scathing in this one, but I don't feel he can organise Newcastle's defence, let alone the team at the minute. It has been a shambles at the back. He is a player that's been at the club for a while. I don't know whether there's some despondency setting in there, maybe. And he's seen a lot of change, of course, at the club. Mm. Lots of managers coming and going, the new ownership. But it's strange, but isn't it, that Eddie sure. Howe hasn't sort of come in and asked asked yeah. someone else to step up or, or, or even sort of said to the team, the captaincy isn't nailed on and so impress me and let's see where we can go with this you know, yeah. used his arrival as a bit of an excuse to rejuvenate that position as well. Here's a report card that might read, not so good, but getting better. Perhaps I wanted to ask your opinion on Tyrone Mings. If this was pre-Steven Gerrard, we'd say mm, definitely no, but actually he has been rejuvenated somewhat under Steven Gerrard, hasn't he? Um, it's still kind of still TBC in my book. I think he really struggled with the burdency of the captaincy at Aston Villa. Jack Grealish passed him the armband this summer. He made a couple of sort of rash decisions. I didn't think he was playing quite like his usual self. Villa have got this bad defensive record. It was even worse, by the way. And that's one thing Stephen Gerrard has been able to sort out slightly since he arrived. Dean Smith dropped Tyrone Mings um, at the end of his reign. Gerrard came in and basically said to Tyrone, you've got to prove that you're the right man. He was key, wasn't he, to that win against Brighton the other week, early days for Steven Gerrard and for Tyrone Mings. But I think one thing that we know he's doing is he's out to impress. So we know Tyrone Mings will stay captain in the short term. Could that Steven Gerrard, Tyrone Mings be the better combination? Perhaps Gerrard's had, well, he's won four out of six games, hasn't he, since the start of Villa as Villa manager. Really so well. um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm interested to see the fact that the team started winning. Is that all down to Steven Gerrard or does Tyrone Mings have a hand in that? And therefore, will he become uh, a really important captain for the club? Just a quick mention for Mark Noble, and I feel mean. I don't want to. I don't want to call him a weak captain at all because abs he's been an absolutely brilliant club captain for West Ham, and he is Mr. West Ham, right? I always remember going to interview him um, back in the day, and he turned up in his slippers, and I was laughing. <laughs> Not even sliders, like actual slippers. And he said, "You know, it, this place is like home to me. I just kind of wander around in my slippers." I was like, "Fair, fair play. We're not filming your feet. It's fine." Um, but obviously, you know, he's thirty-four years old now, and he's only played like three minutes of Premier League football um, this season but one of the one of the things I felt most sorry for him I was reporting at a game I can't remember Lindsay if you were there as well but it was against Manchester United and it was um, it, there was an opportunity for him in the last minute in stoppage time yes. to score a penalty right and yeah. uh, and Moyes decided to bring him on and to take that penalty so his his heat map looked ridiculous it was basically you know one touch one one shot one one missed penalty he missed it unfortunately but that could have that could have seen them get a two-all draw which would have been so important um in that game um and i did feel sorry for him but do you know what i loved about it like can i just say though ali in his defense on the the penalty point of view because obviously he'd he'd come on and he, he was fresh and i remember that game at the time all the pundits around us just saying you don't do that you know he's not even warmed up yeah because exactly Actually, he was second only to Lewandowski for his penalty-taking record in world football. So, you know, when Moyes was turning to him, he knew he was turning to a very reliable source. It's just, I 
just don't think he had the the ability to warm up properly. So I would want to defend him on that one. No, absolutely. And I can see why. And also it was against De Gea and De Gea's got a terrible um, penalty saving record. And he actually managed to save that penalty, which was, you know, which was crazy. But Jared Bowen looked absolutely gutted because it was his shot that that had hit Luke Shaw's arm for the penalty. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of controversy. But I actually interviewed Moyes after that game and and he was very strong. And, and as you said, he said, you know, I will absolutely back, it, you know, back him. He was there. It could have been completely different. And, and I like that when a manager's strong and, and, you know, has the courage of their conviction. But what I liked about Mark Noble afterwards is he still went around getting autographs, getting photos from the West Ham fans. No one blamed him whatsoever. How can you? He's been such a brilliant captain. But yeah, obviously, it's important to have those those players, even if they're not getting the minutes in. OK, well, there you go. We've given our um, end of first half of the season reports for some of those Premier League captains. Let's talk about next when draws go wrong. like something from the gone wrong show if anyone knows that stage show or that program um it should have been a straightforward champions league draw for the last 16 pretty routine but instead on monday afternoon the result was complete chaos after a technical error during the first attempt meant uefa had to declare it void in the first attempt man united were pulled out of the pot to face villarreal which shouldn't have been allowed to happen because they were in the same group and eventuality uefa say the technology should have prevented or it didn't uh some sides including real madrid uh were absolutely fuming about this because they'd drawn benfica in the first version and now they play psg in the redrawn draw uh, Chelsea, meanwhile, got incredibly lucky. They could only face Ajax, Bayern Munich, Real Madrid and Lille. And they drew Lille twice. What are the chances? It must have been right. But <laughs> whatever way you look at it, it was a complete and utter mess up initially. And it got us thinking about examples of when draws have gone wrong. Um, Ali, is there one that yeah. springs to mind for you? Oh, there definitely is. And I'm also really gutted because it, it, it meant that we can't see Messi versus Ronaldo, which was so exciting. In fact, there were so many great, great headlines from that first draw. Um, and the second draw <laughs> sort of was, was a bit cold, really. Um, but yeah, the one that springs to mind was one I was involved in, actually. And it was like, it was so embarrassing. This was a Carabao Cup draw. And for some reason, Carabao Cup draws always seem to go wrong. There's wrong numbers being picked or numbers being picked twice, things that aren't supposed to happen. And I remember I was super excited about this because this was at Twitter HQ. I know you've all been there and it's really exciting, isn't it? Um, To go there where it's so flash. So I was down there with Phil Tufnell, Matt Dawson, um, Sam Matterface was there from from TalkSport. And the idea was they were going to do this draw live on Twitter. It had never been done before. But basically there were technological problems and it just could not happen basically. And we kept, it was so embarrassing because they, they got me to, you know, tweet out, you know, the draw going live in 10 seconds, everyone gather around and you've got everyone literally going, <laughs> where's this draw? And I'm having to tweet out pictures going, it's coming soon, it's coming soon. Then oh Twitter God. were like, we can't Holding get this card. to work. Oh, it was awful. But then they said, we're going to have to pre-record it. And I said, you can't pre-record something that was supposed to be live because no one's going to believe you. And they're like, we're going to have to pre-record it. So we started pre-recording it and I'm actually filming it to prove to everyone so I can like write it on Twitter later. Like, this is not a fix. You know, it has been pre-recorded, but it's kind of live. 
Um, and honestly, the fallout from that was just ridiculous. So yeah, that was a bit cringe and no one believed, I mean, everyone thought that that was fixed. Um, but I was there, I saw it, it all went But also really difficult for you, Ali, because you sort of turned into kind of a behind the scenes fixer rather yeah. than the sort of, you know, just nice swan in presenter role that you were meant to have. You, you ended up trying to ex trying to have to explain the rules and sort of justify. Exactly. <laughs> sort and of that's the thing. Behind the scenes. So often you're the one who's kind of like made to look silly when really, you know, you should have just been there and, and everything should have gone smoothly. I've, oh, I've had, I've had so many of these presenting gigs where, you know, once I did an award ceremony and I read out an award for someone to come and collect it. And as they were coming to the stage, the, the 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 kind of the organizer was shouting at me no no don't give it to him it, it, oh we're gonna God. give it to someone else so I'm literally he's walking up to the stage to collect his oh thing God. and I'm like how can I ad lib this to say you're actually not receiving this award anymore <laughs> oh but you know it's always it's all experience isn't it <laughs> oh, yeah goodness me. there is a really famous example of that and I can't remember whether it's the world of pop or whether it's an actor someone who was called up it was a oh, it, Miss it was best Oscar wasn't it Oh yeah. It was best Oscar, was an Oscar about yeah. five or six years ago. And they and they did call it out, call out the wrong film and then had to correct it. It was very, very cringe. I've only seen that up close once and it was at my end of sixth form leaving awards. And the teacher stood up and announced one of my p fellow pupils as um, the winner of Little Miss Gullible. And she got up to come and get it. And he said, no, 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 it's oh. not you. So she went and sat back down again. <laughs> of of all the awards. I presume that that was just a setup, was it? It was a setup, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, Love it. it might be an unpopular opinion. I'm not really a fan of draws. I know that we all we all like to know who our team's going to get, but I always think they make it into a bigger event than it needs to be. You know, usually there's like a performer or a guest or somebody, and then all anybody wants to know as a football fan is, who has my team got? So it, perhaps unpopular for me to say that, especially if you're, you're going to get it as another presenting gig, Ali. <laughs> I don't want to <laughs> yeah, exactly. do you out of work. And also, um, you Right though, well, why do they know. have to make a big thing of it? I mean, just 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 say the computer did it, and here are the results. And here are the results. Yeah, do do we really need to go into into this detail? Anyway, True. I think in terms of it going wrong, um, one that I remember was the Rod Stewart fiasco, which I'm sure many many fans will recall because we all know, and anyone who listens to Talksport on a regular occasion, he's always on there. But he loves his football, but he also likes a bevy when he goes to the football. And apparently, before organisers had tapped him up for this draw, this was in 2016-17, and it was the fifth round draw for the Scottish Cup. He had said to organisers, "You do realise that when I go to the football." I tend to get a little bit tanked up. And so they were like, yeah, it's no problem. Don't worry about that at all. Um, we understand, but it'd be great if you could still do it. And of course, what ensued is like a comedy moment where he's clearly a little bit worse for wear. And he's doing this really over-animated um, well, like body language. Lindsay, where... Before you go there, um, Ali and I were talking about this before you popped onto the show today. And we were talking about how hilarious it was. And we've got a clip of it because we just feel that none of us can do this impression <laughs> okay. justice okay. apart from a clip so let's have a listen number 11 
Wraith Rovers or Heart of Midlothian? I'd really love him to do every single one, actually, because the 11, um, it, it's the most fun draw I think I've ever seen. But the, the thing that you get there, you had a little sample by listening, but what you didn't get to do is relive what, what we saw, which was this very over-animated body language, the way that he went into the bowl, high up, did a big scoop, <laughs> like pretending when you're like feeding your child with a spoon and pretending it's an aeroplane, that sort of thing. Um, that was classic, wasn't it? And I know that you remember that, Ali. It's so funny. I love it because he, he stretches right up like a big swan dive. But then he's obviously been told what camera to look into. And instead of just giving it a subtle kind of a, a look, he's literally like stares right into it. He like <laughs> leans forward right into the camera. I absolutely must love have it. been and told to be like, make sure you show it on camera for at least exactly seconds three seconds. And he's like, he's just shoving it in the camera. Um, I just I, I think if you are going to have a draw, have it fun, have it, you know, do it like that. I think the thing that made it even funnier was the kind of the juxtaposition. You've got Alan McRae, the president of the Scottish FA, who's being all sensible. And you've got Alan Stubbs, who's pretty sensible as well. And then you've got Rod Stewart <laughs> just having a laugh, basically. Um, yeah, I'd say bring him on for every draw. I'd watch. Yes. Picking up on that juxtaposition, this didn't go wrong, but I suppose it could have gone wrong. Did you know that Donald Trump was involved in a football draw back in the past? Maybe not. The 1991 I think I've seen 92. the picture online, ah. yeah. Well, it's the 91-92 oh, Cup. Uh, the League Cup and Old Man's Money. You've got Donald Trump, Satan Greavesy, basically. Wow. Everything apparently went off okay. It seemed all very ordered. Um, Don shared his love of the beautiful game. Do you play football at all? Well, I used to play, and we call it here soccer. Uh, that's that's right. It's never, uh, it's never worked out as well in the United States as it has elsewhere. But uh, although we're having the World Cup pretty soon coming to the United States, so that should be great. But it's a great game. I love soccer. I played actually in high school. I played soccer. It's a great game. Oh. I love soccer. Uh, fortunately, I think the reason why it was so well ordered is he didn't have a stake in any of the sides involved, which most certainly would have led to this if they'd drawn badly. And the election was rigged and it was stolen. And this is what we got. This is not a match that should even be allowed. <laughs> Just imagine him. This is not a match. This is stolen. Never never mix football and politics. I, I once interviewed Boris Johnson about Tottenham for some random reason. I can't remember why. And it was it was a very uncomfortable interview, I have to say. Oh, not one for the show reel. This is where yeah. politicians pretend that they're football fans, a la Gordon Brown, and actually don't know anything about the team at all. Donald Trump there getting mixed up in in football he did he did sort of end up losing though because although he you know claimed to love football and he actually spoke about the u.s women's national team because they just won the world cup at that time fast forward to this year and he's calling uh, megan rapino and many of her teammates leftist maniacs this summer after the olympics so there you go he's definitely gone down in my in my estimations in so many ways yep. since 1991 what about ones that have gone wrong though anyone else got anything else yeah, I mean, there was an incident back in 2007 and the FA actually had to launch an investigation because the wrong numbers were actually called out. So they had Arsenal legend Sammy Nelson. He pulled out um, the number 24 ball, but he said number 25. So that meant that Aston Villa played Manchester United instead of Middlesbrough. When he did pull out the number 25, his fingers were actually covering it. So it showed uh, oh. to the viewers, leaving everyone confused. So, I mean, you, you, Do you, you think, think that something that, like this is pretty that, that was intentional? Someone had said to him, now cover it up with your little <laughs> pinky finger. <laughs> no, I definitely don't think so. But it just shows how these things can go wrong. But not if you do it in the Rod Stewart way. If you hold it straight into the camera, <laughs> thrust it into the camera, there's definitely no uh, no going wrong there. 
Blimey. Apparently an FA spokesperson after that draw um, said it's a number 24, but because there's a line underneath the numbers, it looks like 25. Um, uh, sounds like a bit of an excuse. Mm. And there was actually um, the reason why that one was quite controversial at the time. There was actually a similar incident a few months beforehand in 2007 in the Scottish League Cup. It was the CIS Insurance Cup draw in which a certain Alex Ferguson miscalled the ties. But before you think, I've not heard about this one, it wasn't the Alex Ferguson. It was the Scottish Parliament presiding officer. Uh, He might have been quite good at politics, but wasn't good at balls and numbers. He mixed up the numbers of four (laughs) of the balls. Um, The fixtures were amended, though, immediately following that. All right, let's move on to topic number three. Before we go to our final topic, um, let me give a big shout out to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast this week. Myself and Lindsay Hooper with former Everton manager Willie Kirk and only the Canada Olympic gold medalist, Reading's match winner at the weekend, Deanne Rose. It's a great episode. Check it out via all the usual podcasting platforms. Okay, we need to get Christmas eat, ladies. We've only got one more show until the big day. So uh, with Christmas around the corner, let's talk about gifts we'd like to give footballers or just gifts that we found that might need um, a footballer to give them to, if you see what I mean. Um, who wants to get us started? Lindsay? <laughs> well, um, I could go really harsh. Would you like my really, really harsh one, first of all? Yeah, go harsh. Um, so I was looking at books online on Amazon. I'm sure a lot of us are going to order gifts that way this Christmas. And there was a book book called Act Like a Leader, Think Like a Leader for oh, Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. Oh. Is that too soon? Is that too soon? Uh, I mean, it's oh. useful. You could give him a watch as well because apparently he's always late, isn't he? It's, a lot mm. of his disciplinary is kind of timekeeping. Yes, because apparently there were a couple more incidents than the one that's been talked about. So yes, um, I think that would be good. A watch or some sort of um, alarm. Timekeeping. Yeah, I heard, yeah. Um, I just got to bring in a story here that I thought was really funny because Thomas Tuchel, when he was dealing with him, um, at Dortmund apparently used to give him the wrong times for the start of, of training <laughs> because he knew he was always late and he said that was just his way of dealing with him and he, he said he, he he was kind of nice about him he was like he didn't really mean to but he just had that demeanor but when he's your captain I mean come on you need <laughs> timekeeping is like the, the the number one thing right when you're a footballer <laughs> I've got friends who do that of you Linz as well sometimes I'm actually mm. much much better these days but back in the day they would very often suspiciously give me let's meet at quarter past seven shall we <laughs> Think to yeah. myself, I bet that table's not put till half past. I had yeah. one friend that I, I I used to do that with. Just 10, 15 minutes, but I'd just say it was a bit earlier because I knew they would always be late. Doogie, our producer, put one in here um, in our notes about Jesse Lingard, um, a ticket out of Manchester, which I'm sure a lot of people would be thinking, yes, because, you know, this is someone who's been given 88 minutes of league action this season. Yet when he was at West Ham, he was just taking the the league by storm, nine goals, four assists in 16 games, um, managed to get back into the, the brink of being in England's Euro 2020 squad. Um, and just so far under Ranić, 24 minutes. So I understand what Doogie is saying, but there is a player that I saw up close warming up on the bench last night um, at Arsenal versus West Ham. And this player was running up and down and I was thinking, wow, 
you need a move. You desperately need a move because I've forgotten that you're at this club. And (laughs) not only that, you had a fantastic Euro tournament for your country. You were scoring. um, In fact, I remember being near his family who were celebrating a goal um, over near Tower Bridge on one of the big screens as they were watching him play for Ukraine. I'm talking about Yarmolenko. Yarmolenko, yeah. He needs a ticket out of London and fast because if he can perform the way that he did for his country at the Euros, then he needs more regular game time and he's not starting and he's nowhere near that starting 11 from what, what I can see under David Moyes. Mm, yeah, good Annie. shout. It's funny, we Lindsay and I always seem to do these things because we do a lot of work for the Premier League and you have to go around all these um, club shops and and look at all the tacky Christmas gifts. So we, we're always talking about players and gifts and there's some, t- there's some terrible perfumes out there, by the way. I mean, you know, if you're a Liverpool fan, as you are, Kate, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to love this Eau de Liverpool, which is really quite rancid, to be honest yeah. with you. I've got, I've um, identified the classic smell like West Ham club aftershave. Anyone feel like smelling like West Ham? £12 a bottle? <laughs> £12? Well, that's cheap. <laughs> it's a bargain, isn't it? I don't know if I want to smell like of West, West Ham. Ham. No, thanks very much. But um, so I've got a few ideas in that, in that kind of vein, um, as you were talking about, Lingard. So, I mean... It's a bit cruel, but you could say Harry Kane could do with some finishing lessons. I mean, I feel terrible saying this because he's been such a legend for so long, but he's only scored one goal in 13 league games so far this season and one goal from 32 attempts, so definitely. And in a similar kind of thing, um, Timo Werner, we could give him a copy of the Offside Rule podcast (laughs) Um, (laughs) for obvious reasons. It also reminds me of, I love how kids are just really outspoken and every year I I do the Bridge Kids Christmas Party at Chelsea and you get to go around the kids and ask them what you know what you would buy for the, the footballers. And I always remember this one kid who's probably about 20 now. This is back in the day, he was probably about six years old, and he and he shouted, Fernando Torres, give him some shooting boots. Um, <laughs> but in front of the players, in front of the players, <laughs> and I'm like, ah, oh, I just didn't Great. expect him to come out with something quite so rude. Oh. But I love how honest they are. There are two <laughs> players who I think could do with, well, something nice, maybe a cuddly duvet, maybe just a hug. One of which, the obvious one, Sergio Aguero, having to retire, of course, at the age of 33 to protect his yeah. health after that um, after that heart issue was, uh, was identified in October. And anyone who saw his um, broadcast this week where he's just he's basically tearing up before he gets started, um, and I just thought, what what a fantastic career. I mean, I mean, kind of apparently he's being really zen about it, but I just thought, oh, we're going to have to get him yeah. something, some sort of leaving. Maybe the winning goal retirement. in the, you know, for the, for the first Premier League title that Man City had got in I don't know how many years. Um, 44, 44, years, yeah. 44, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I maybe just have that on loop. <laughs> well, I'd actually, <laughs> funnily enough, me. great minds and all that, Lindsay Hooper. I had suggested a doorbell for him that just rings and it'd be pretty <laughs> obvious which his house was then just press the Aguero! 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 or maybe oh, a phone I love ring that or moment. something um, the moment. other person who's who's not in the same vein as kind of Aguero because it's because it's it's sort of not that not that sad I suppose um but Kevin De Bruyne opened up after yeah. his two goals against Leeds the other night and just basically said look it's been a rubbish six months for him he had that fractured eye socket, didn't he, that forced him out of the Champions League final, an ankle knock at Euro 2020 that sort of damaged um, damaged his his uh, spell with Belgium. It spilled over into this season. He was still suffering with that. And then he got COVID, didn't 
he, a little while ago. And he was just saying after that game, actually, how how he was still suffering a bit from the effects of COVID. So uh, a bit of uh, a bit of long COVID and that he'd had a pretty torrid time of it. So I thought, what can we give Kevin De Bruyne to make him feel a bit better, girls? I don't know. I couldn't think of anything apart from a hug, but you can't really give know, them hugs, those, can you? Hugs bring to mind, don't they? Hugs and duvets, cuddly things, cuddly toys. <laughs> Oh, you've got a feel for Kieran Trippier. So he is being linked heavily at the moment with a link to Newcastle United from Atletico Madrid. So he's going to go from sunny Spain to Newcastle. And I, I know other brands are available, but I was trying to think of the warmest jacket possible he could get for Christmas. And I've gone with Canada Goose. Um, so I yes. think he should get one of those jackets to keep him warm if he's going to be up on Tyneside. All of the clubs are now selling those. I mean, they've probably been selling them for a, a few seasons, made made infamous by Arsene Wenger, those sort of long, long puffer coats that Wenger could never seem to get the right handle of the zip on. Um, everyone's selling those now. So perhaps uh, perhaps that's on his Christmas list. Um, anyone behaved like a child recently? You can get a Manchester City colouring book. So you could subtly send that to anyone who had been misbehaving. And I noticed actually when I was doing the usual club shop trawl, Ali, that fidgets are big on the agenda oh, this year. Yeah, they, are, I bet they are to try and explain them to anyone who doesn't have kids. They are sort of um, pieces of rubber with sort of dots in them, and you push the dots in and out, and they're called fidgets. Um, they're actually really, really good for kind of kids with autism and sort of sensory needs yeah. on a more serious level. But they've become a, a, a basically a huge hit with kind of small children, and all the clubs have weighed in on that one this year. You can get your Man City fidget, you can get your Man United fidget, your Liverpool fidget 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 the whole way through the game but perhaps it's one way of keeping youngsters who might not be quite old enough to see a whole game through but who you want to bring to the football anyway maybe that's a good thing to keep them amused that's a great idea actually yeah they call some of them sometimes they're called poppets as well aren't they because they just kind of oh, pop yeah, in true. and out they do yeah. look um they do look quite tempting actually i always I, I see kids on the train playing with them and i'm like oh i quite fancy mine have got that. them because we yeah. used to have um back in our day we used to have the squidgy things what are they called the stress balls you know stress balls yeah yes. and used to squidge those a bit it's the same kind of same kind of concept isn't it there you go we all may have given you some christmas present ideas out there listeners who knows on to any other business this is uh, the section of the week where we talk about under the radar stories uh, who wants to get us started um i'll get you started on the um i think it's a story that hopefully everyone's seen by now because um every year they do it but it's still really touching and, and the moment that you see it i think it sort of fills your heart with joy but um via real uh, the final home game before christmas every year um all the fans so it's fifty-two thousand plus throw teddies and soft toys onto the pitch um, and they're all collected up and given to kids who are, you know, underprivileged or in hospital. And I just think that's lovely. And it's just such a lovely moment where you see just thousands of these cuddly toys just just, just descend on the pitch. Um, and it kind of is a bit of a moment to sort of remember how lucky we all are. So I really like yeah. that. Yeah, it is, it is a lovely image. Christmas parties, plenty of Premier League clubs have cancelled theirs. Uh, instead, some players are going out in groups of three or four, if at all. But in the EFL, it's a bit different. Some clubs have carried on staging their parties. Um, Charlton went ahead with theirs. I saw a picture of this. Basically, Ben Watson won the award for best fancy dress. He is a redhead and he decided it would be a great idea and so it followed that he would go in full Chelsea kit as Steve Sidwell. So it was red oh. on red there, which I thought was genius. Um, 
uh, another player decided to go as, go as Kim Jong-un, the North Korean dictator, oh. which I thought oh, was wow. an interesting choice. So there you go, Charlton's Christmas party fancy dress. At least, at least one club didn't let us down when it came to rather bizarre costume choices. Kate, I've just got to chip in there with a story because when you mentioned Sidwell, it just reminded me of, of a really funny story. So years ago when I was working for Chelsea TV, I got invited to Chelsea's Christmas party where the players were at as well. And all the mm. staff, we decided to dress up as Chelsea players. And I got a number nine shirt, which Sidwell was the number nine at the time. And But they put my name on the back. So I had Bender on the back. And it's a really awkward and uncomfortable conversation, but Sidwell just kept looking at me. He was really, really upset and, and giving me bad looks throughout the whole evening. Oh and eventually he came over and he just said, that is bang out of order. And I was like, I'm sorry. And he said, calling me a bender. And I said, oh. Steve, that's my name. I'm Alison oh Bender. Gosh. Of course I wouldn't do that. And like, I couldn't believe that he thought that I was... He must have been really embarrassed, was he, Ali, after that? Oh, bless him. And we had such a... I mean, we laughed about it in the end. But like, as if I'd be that un-PC, first of all. Like, how horrific. (laughs) And, you know, just that he took it such the wrong way. So, yeah, and he couldn't quite believe that was my actual name. He's like, no, your name is not Bender. That cannot be real. I'm like, it really is. So, yeah, there you go. You might think that, though. You can understand how he he might have thought. Yeah, totally. A bit cheeky. Um, Unusually, I'm going to end on a stat, which I don't usually do in any other business, but I think this one is epic because do you know Robert Lewandowski has one more game left in 2021 to beat Cristiano Ronaldo's best ever return in a calendar year? This is huge. So Ronaldo versus Lewandowski at games 59. So obviously we know that Lewandowski is on 58 at the moment. Goals. 69 Ronaldo, currently Lewandowski is on 68. Assists, Ronaldo got 18, 13 for Lewandowski. Trophies though, Lewandowski's got two compared to Ronaldo's one in that year. So it's a calendar year. So we've got one more game. Keep your eyes on that because if Lewandowski gets a goal, maybe even a hat trick, that's it. He goes into the history books. Oh, one to look out for. All right, well, let's call time on this show, ladies. Thank you very much, uh, if you're listening, for leaving us feedback. And also, don't forget to subscribe as well. If you want to get hold of us via Twitter, it's at OffsideRulePod. Ditto for Instagram. And don't forget the website as well. Always the source of some great bits of football knowledge. uh, OffsideRulePodcast.com. And Ali, you're going to be, uh, no doubt, covering lots of games over the festive period. I know it's a busy time for you guys. Lindsay as well. I'm off to get my booster jab as well. So um, go and get your boosters, everyone. And footballers as well. Listen up. I don't like it how the the managers are kind of letting them off a bit. Oh, you know, we encourage them to do it, but it's their choice. I'd rather hear a, a manager be a bit firmer, to be honest, in the situation we're in. But there you go. I think I agree, actually, particularly because it's also kind of affecting clubs. I mean, surely commercially, this is this is this is affecting them as well. Yeah. Um, Lindsay, where are you next? I'm actually at Arsenal against Brighton in the WSL on Sunday night for Sky Sports, and I and I'm doing fighting talk on Saturday. Um, so I'll be doing that. I'm not. Oh, I love you on that. Match. Oh, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> You're going to see if I can can get to a defend the indefensible and actually do it this time. <laughs> Have you ever won it, Linz? Yes. Yeah, I've won it yes, a few yeah. times. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. So we need to continue that on. Would you be the last winner of the year if you won this time? Depends if there's I one between Christmas so. and New Year. I don't think so. No, I think there's one more. I think oh. there is one more. 
Well, good luck with Fighting Talk. Always a good listen. We've got one more podcast in Eslins before the end of the year. It's going to be a bit of a bit of a Christmas New Year special, I think. Yeah, bumper special for us. I'll get spotting up and ready. Yep, do listen out for that one. We hope you've enjoyed the show today and we'll speak to you again soon. You've been listening to The Offside Rule, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything Offside at offsiderulepodcast.com and by following at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of The Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on The Athletic app. Athletic. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.